So Wagawe, something you and I have in common is that we both live in beach towns. Beach towns, Long Beach. Venice Beach. <laughs> Actually, when I moved from the East Coast, I was living in New York City and I was like, I need to live as far west as possible. And I found an apartment a block from the ocean. Wow. And I've lived a block from the ocean for the past seven years. I love it. Beautiful, yet dangerous. I love the ocean, and I'm from New Jersey, right? Yeah. And I moved to California from New Jersey. While I didn't go straight to LA, part of me coming down here was like, all right, I do want to have that beach life. I love to be able to go to the beach year-round, even if, like, you know, a lot of the time the water is too cold, but it's almost always sunny, you know? And being that close to the beach, whether it's for everyday life or vacations, it's important to be up on swim and water safety. Right. Even really strong swimmers, you know, they can get caught in rip currents. And that's exactly what happened to John O. Wilson. It was a moment where I was like, no amount of swimming ability or perseverance or whatever is going to get me back in. The, the ocean is too damn big and it's too damn strong. Like, And it doesn't care that I'm out here. And then I started saying our fathers and Hail Marys and like praying to God and just being like, I know that this is not what is supposed to be my end. For Jono, that day started pretty quietly. Imagine you're on a beach in Southern California. The Pacific Ocean lies before you, blue and vast. The sun is creeping up over the mountains. You're at the beach a lot, almost every day. Today, you run for a bit, then sit and meditate. You have an addition later, and a quick dip is just the right thing to calm your nerves. You dive into the waves. It's cold, but refreshing. The ocean wakes you up, stronger than coffee. You swim a few strokes, then flip over to gaze at the cerulean sky. The sun is almost all the way up now. There's not a surfer in sight. You have the water all to yourself. Then you look back to shore. You're twice as far out as you thought you'd be. How far are you, actually? It's kind of hard to tell. And it's deep now. No sandbar here. You start to swim back. But after a few strokes, you notice you're not making any progress. So you try the breaststroke instead of freestyle. Nope, doesn't work. Instead, you feel a slow, steady pull out to sea. You notice how still the water is here, aside from the occasional breaking wave. That sense of calm you had moments ago, completely gone. And now you're getting tired. Come on! This is not how you're supposed to go. You'll try anything. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Please, 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 please help me. From Wondery. I'm Wagatwe Wanjuki. I'm Jenna Brister, and this is I Survivor. On this show, we tell you about the attacks, the assaults, the manipulation, the fear, and the triumphs. About the people who fought back, who won, and who live each day rising above that experience. Jenna, this is a new situation for us. It's like a nature situation. Yeah. You can't just fight off nature and put hard bones in soft places. Yeah, Jonna Wilson found that out the hard way when he got sucked out into a rip current off Venice Beach. He thought he was a goner. We'll hear Jono's story in the first part of our show. Do you swim a lot? I do not. 
I learned as an adult. Wait, did you take an adult swim class? I did. <gasps> I did that in New York. No way. <laughs> I, I, part of me thought I was going to train for a triathlon. So mm-hmm. I took this swimming class. And then some of my friends did the New York try. And they all ended up with oral herpes after swimming in the Hudson. They all oh. had they all had herpes sores. Oh, I would not go in the and Hudson. I was like, Once I had to like, I like almost <laughs> kind of touched it for like an eighth grade science experiment, and I still remember <laughs> that's how traumatizing and scary the Hudson River is. That is funny. Like pull up test tubes so of like gross. amoebas and stuff. Yeah, we like test. Oh god, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm getting flashbacks. I saw a shark actually. I've had a stingray graze me in Manhattan Beach, and then I was nannying, and I had the kids out in the surf in Santa Monica, and I remember I was body surfing, and I looked over, and there was maybe a five-foot-long sand shark also body surfing about five yards away, and the kids were like, oh, they don't have teeth. It's okay. I was like, I don't care because (laughs) they have friends that do have teeth, and what if that friend is near? It's terrifying. I ran out of the surf, and I was like, forget this. Yeah, yeah. Even just logically thinking about it, right? Totally. We also invited an ocean lifeguard to school us on rip currents. Captain Remy Smith from the L.A. County Fire Department Lifeguard Division. His team rescues lots of people from rip currents every year. Including Jono. John Wilson is a comedian, actor, writer, and full disclosure, a very dear friend of mine. He grew up in Massachusetts and says that L.A.'s great weather is just one of the reasons he spends a lot of time at the beach. Here's our conversation with Jono Wilson. So, Jono, thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Thanks yeah, for having me. Absolutely. So uh, go ahead and tell us uh, what happened that morning four years ago. It was a Sunday morning. I was going to shoot something later that day. And I'd gone out. A, the na- a sketch or a uh, show, not, a, like, not an animal. No, not an animal. Okay, no, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so film sorry. something. We got to so specify now. Right, yeah, we got to specify. Outside film something. You're totally right. That's such an L.A. thing. I'm yeah, sorry. I was okay. going to act in a <laughs> uh, short film <laughs> that day. And the night before, I had gone out. I had had a couple drinks with friends. And so I said to myself, I'm going to wake up early. I always like to, you know, go for a run on the beach, kind of start the day with just some peacefulness and quiet. It's like 8 o'clock in the morning. It was a Sunday, and I walked down there. I lived really close to the beach at that time. And I sat on the beach and just kind of meditated for a little bit, and I thought I'm going to hop in, kind of wake myself up. And it was early enough, I guess, on a Sunday that the lifeguards weren't even in the lifeguard tower. There wasn't anybody else on the beach. And so at that point, I was like, this is perfect. This is totally serene. I hopped in the water, and I kind of dove into one of the waves. And the thing about Venice, too, is it's pretty shallow. You can walk a good 50 yards before it starts to get up to, like, your neck. So I'd walked out a pretty good distance, and then I dove in, and I came up, and I was just looking at the horizon, and it was really pretty. And then I turned around and thought, all right, I feel pretty good. Let's just let's get back into the shore and get the day started. And when I turned around, I noticed that even though I'd walked out 50 yards already, it looked maybe double that. I was more like 100 yards down. I was like, well, that's kind of weird. I just dove in quickly and popped back up. And so I started to try to swim back in. I have been swimming since I was three years old. So I wasn't worried or anything at that moment. But the thing that was interesting about being in the water at that time was that it went from I'm totally fine to complete and utter panic because I felt myself getting sucked out in a rip current. And it was weird because when you're looking back at the beach and you're kind of far out, it's tough to 
gauge how far you're actually out. You know, if you look into the ocean, it's the same thing. Like, you can't really tell how far something is away. And I could just feel the water slowly pulling me straight, straight back. And um, I started going, like, breaststroke, and then I got a little flustered, and I started going freestyle. And they say go parallel to the shore to get out of a rip current. However, at this moment, I was so, like, my brain just started almost, like, shutting off. And I started to lose all of my energy because I was trying to swim straight back in because I'm thinking, I'm not that far out. I'm not that far out. But I was, and I was getting further and further out every thought that I had. And then I got so tired that I just started treading water and I looked back in at the beach nobody on the beach that I could see and the lifeguard stand was getting really small it was just quiet like I can just hear like the water around me and you know that serene feeling I had 20 minutes ago or whatever it was was pure panic and I grew up in like an Irish Catholic family and grew up going to church every single Sunday and I kind of just like reverted back to that and I started saying like the Our Father and I was like I don't know what else to do like I started slapping the water and yelling help that didn't work and I start, then I started saying our, our Fathers and Hail Marys and like praying to God and just being like I know this is not supposed to be it it felt so insignificant it felt so silly to like wake up in the morning go for a dip and just die like it, it makes you feel kind of like I can't be this insignificant you know your ego is telling you this can't be the end and I started to really gas out at this point and I just kept praying and out of nowhere I just heard hey you alright I was like you know, look up to the sky like is that the Catholic God talking back to me finally now that I'm saying these prayers hey okay over there and I like turned there was just a guy in a, a kayak I came to find out I was about three-fourths of a mile into the water. So this guy must have seen me splashing or, or something. He paddled over to me, and he was like, grab a hold of the back of the kayak. And so I grabbed the back of the kayak, and the minute I did that, he was he was sucking the rip current, too. And he was like, well, at least you can catch your breath, you know, like, <laughs> just hang on. And so he's putting his paddle up and everything, and... The amount of fatigue that I was feeling at that point, like it was kind of like you've got like black around the outside of your vision because I'm just so tired. And at this point, you'd been out for how long, do you think, in the water? About 45 minutes. I looked to the, the shore and I saw a lifeguard SUV pull over to the lifeguard stand and the lights were on. But I was so far out that I literally thought to myself, this might not even be for me. That might be for something else. That might just be... Someone drinking yeah. on shore. Yeah, 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 seriously. And the next thing I know, a Coast Guard speedboat had to come out and pick me up. And the guy who saved me on the kayak, I guess, got back in once I was off. You know, I'm sure I said thank you or something, but he was fine, you know. Be more careful yeah. next time. Yeah. You know, like he was. He <laughs> like so jacket he on. <laughs> I got onto the uh, speedboat. I remember my first thought, because, you know, it was four years ago. I was just pretty relatively new out here and I had zero money hoping to make money at this acting job later in the day and I said to the uh, Coast Guards I was like so is this like an ambulance do I owe you guys like $500 or something and they're like no don't worry about it we kind of patrol this area and pick people up all the time the Coast Guard he put on flippers and he gave me that little orange 
Baywatch floaty thing and said, hold on to this. I'm going to jump in. You know, we can't bring the boat in any closer. I'm going to jump in and just kick as hard as you possibly can. Because I guess the current was so strong at that point that there was a chance that if we got in, we'd get swept right back out. So we got in. I had to kick more and more and more. And I finally got onto the shore with this guy and I gave the lifeguard a hug. And I was just like so grateful. You know, at that moment, it was like this guy just literally saved my life. Should we hang out the rest of the day or something? He was just like, he was like, just go ahead. You're you're fine. You know, go home, get hydrated or whatever. And I started walking back down the shore, and this guy that was like sitting in a lawn chair <laughs> got up and walked over to me and just gave me a hug. And I hugged him back. I like put my face into his neck, just like <laughs> hugging him. And he was like, hey, I thought you were a goner. Good wow. thing you were in such good shape and you could stay up for that long. And I was like, were you watching the whole time? Where were you? <laughs> but, but I was finally safe. And so that was really the, the whole experience. The biggest thing was like, it felt like an eternity being alone really far out in the water and being like this, it, it makes no sense that this is how I'm going to die. Because I was pretty sure that I was going to die. Yeah. And having those raw feelings of like, this can't be it. Yeah. I mean, having the feelings of like, this can't be it. I have so much more I'm supposed to do with my life. This is not how life is supposed to go. Like you see in movies, like someone dies in a freak thing and it's like, yeah, that's a movie. That's not what really happens in real life, at least not to me. And also just the feeling of like starting to pray, but at the same time feeling like this isn't about being Catholic or being religious or anything. It's just nature. And the ocean is so incredibly vast. Like, I remember feeling like I am so much of a nothing in the middle of this ocean right now that it doesn't matter. And it just felt kind of, oh, there's just nothing. Like, I'm just going to die. And that's it, which is so dark to say. Like, I don't even want to think that way. Like, but it wasn't even like, well, I'm going to die and then go to heaven and it'll be okay. Yeah. You know what? That like little, the little kid Jono and me wanting to think that it was just like no you this thing is going to swallow you up and it doesn't even matter yeah I've never heard a story about that before because rip currents kill more than 100 people in the U.S. each year and I feel like it's every so often you do see stuff in the news about you know bodies washing to shore and you know so I'm so glad you were not a goner me too yeah and what's the first thing you did when you got back home you know did you call your parents do you I called my brother okay my equilibrium was so off and I was so exhausted and like thirsty and everything but I was still you know just in my all I wore was my bathing suit down there so I was just in my bathing suit and I called up my brother and I was like I'm okay but I just almost died in like a rip current and he was like, what? What? You know, that's the other thing. It's like, it just happens out of nowhere. Like, anything can happen at any time. I was like, I love you. I'm really shooken up. And he was just freaked out. And then I called my parents after, and I told them, like, a abbreviated version of the story because I didn't want them to have heart attacks. You yeah. know, you know? <laughs> As like, you do with I was, parents. As I was getting far out, they came out and got me. I didn't tell them that I was, like, so far. Yeah. Saying um, our fathers, like at yeah. that point. Yes. You know? Yeah. And that week there was a moth story slam in LA and the mm -hmm. theme was saved. Is that yes, right? That's right. Yeah. I remember you went and you won with this story. Yeah. Out of 10 stories, that one won for your first yeah. time ever. But even at that point, like I made it a funnier story than it actually is because honestly, I don't know if I've ever really seriously dealt with 
the feelings that I had that day, especially for the months following. If I thought about it, it was just too much. It was too much to think about. It was too overwhelming. It would freak me out. It was like the first time in your life you say you really faced death or kind of had to be like, oh, do I have to accept this as my fate? I think it was the first time in my life that I ever really thought about like mortality seriously Mm -hmm. and like what it really means, Mm -hmm. especially when you feel like your time isn't up, Mm -hmm. when you're not like late in life and you've accomplished a bunch of things already. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, everything is about to go really well in my life. So just (laughs) I should be able to live, you know? Yeah. And mortality is a really scary thing to think about when it's not just, like, hypotheses and philosophizing about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess the first time you got back in the water then after that, it's probably hard to separate that experience from, oh, I'll go take another casual dip. But like, yeah. what was going through your mind? Were you like, oh, I'll stay kind of close to shore or, you know what, I got this, lifeguards are here, I know what to do. I stayed close to shore for at least a year after that. The other thing is I feel like the undertow and the rip currents in Venice are pretty strong all the time. And if the water was up to my knees and I could feel it pulling, it would freak me out. Yeah. Because it's just so strong. When I dove in, my feet could touch the ground. And then when I came up and I'd tread water for a minute and then tried to put my feet down and it was just, and there was nothing under it. It's weird. You're so in such a wide open space and feeling like claustrophobic, it becomes so strong because you're covered up to your neck. The water is just so heavy and there's so freaking much of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think I've only experienced that silence once when I was parasailing in the Turks and Caicos. That's a weird transition. Sounds incredible. It was amazing. I won Let's Make a Deal, Tropical Getaway from Wayne Brady. And I remember being (laughs) so far up in the ocean and it's surprisingly silent. Yeah. And it's unnerving. The silence when you're out over the water is... Not an easy feeling. No. you're like, oh, yeah, this is way bigger than me and doesn't care. Well, yeah, the feelings of, like, being in the water and saying to myself, like, this is so stupid that this is how I'm going to die. My friends are going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At me. Like, what a stupid, stupid way to go. Like, and just, like, pleading with whatever is out there, like, just give me one more chance. Just give me one more chance. Just mm-hmm. something happened. There was a moment where it was like, this is not up to me anymore. This is literally up to chance. Yeah. It's not like divine intervention. It's nothing. It's luck. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the kayaker. The kayaker. My angel. You know, <laughs> Wherever he is now. Wherever he I'm, is now. I hope he's somewhere on a podcast, a kayaking podcast. One time I saved this guy <laughs> in Venice. Yeah. Hope he's okay. You know? <laughs> or like, you know, there's like an episode of Touched by an Angel that's yes. going to be coming out. It was actually an angel who's on yeah. a kayak who came and saved you, you know? It's also <laughs> like, it's crazy to say, especially like soon after that, I was like, did I actually just die that day? And this is just like a simulation of the rest of my life. <laughs> it's really weird. That day is a total like landmark in my in my life because it was just such a, a freak thing and, and a chance outcome. Like mm-hmm. it could have gone either way. It could have gone the other way. Probably easier. Definitely. I'm, I'm scared of being wasteful with days because things can change in an instant. Absolutely. I love going to the beach and also <laughs> kind of hate it. It's also terrifying, right? So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all these feelings that I have about the beach, I feel like just like came up in your story though, right? Like the ocean is so big and so heavy and so large and all these things live in it. And yeah. it's just like <laughs> your process reminds me of what people go through maybe if there's a sudden death in the family or a loved one, yes. right? Where you just kind of like, holy shit, I need to figure out life. Yeah. I could die tomorrow. 
I, I kind of like went through the seven stages of grief, like yeah, when anger. I was out there, because I was pissed at first. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Whatever the steps are, but yeah. like denial, I, no, denial. This isn't I was like, the, "Yeah, this Bargaining. isn't happening." God, God, please yeah. give me another <laughs> yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Went through each one because you had forty-five minutes, or at least thirty of that of. Feeling yeah. hopeless. Yeah. When you're in the middle of the ocean and there's no boat, there's nobody else around, the feeling of helplessness is unparalleled. Yeah. Just hoping for a helicopter to fly by or something. Mm-hmm. And splashing the water. And, like, I thought about it after. Splashing the water, if there's some predator down there, like, <laughs> oh, isn't that God. what you're not supposed to do? Oh, gosh. I know. But I was I... like, I don't care. Like, someone needs to see something. I mean, when I'm at the beach now, I am always scanning the water just to see if somebody's out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think my first instinct, I mean, as someone who has never been pulled out in a rip current, would be one of those scary open water movies or that Blake Lively terrifying one. See a shark the deep, fin. The shallows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> was Predators even a thing or were you just life or death? I wasn't even thinking about yeah. that. I was like, Good. <laughs> like thinking about straight back to the shore. Just how do I get back? How do mm-hmm. I get back? The whole time. <laughs> Treading water until... An angel kayaker. I mean, I would have just tread until I went <laughs> under. So, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's so phenomenal because I think at the end of the day, your story is so unique, but it comes to the core of what survival is and like what it means to be a human being and living in our world, right? Yeah. Like, technically, tomorrow's not guaranteed, the next hour is not guaranteed, and we still need to deal with that and still live mm-hmm. while still balancing, right, the danger or the unknown of mm-hmm. life, basically. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, as your longtime friend, I can attest that he has done great things since this. <laughs> John was a comedian, an actor, and a writer. And his tale of surviving Rip Current won the 2015 L.A. Moth Story Slam. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Thank it's you Very for inspiring. Me. And, yeah, I'll be treading up to my knees from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure there are lifeguards in the lifeguard stands. That's Absolutely. all. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So meal prep is great in theory, but if you don't have the time or the energy or the resources, let Daily Harvest do it for you. No one's got time to do all that shopping, selecting, chopping, and plus it's summer. Wouldn't you rather be outside living your life? And that's why Daily Harvest delivers perfectly portioned frozen superfood eats straight to your door. You can use anything from smoothies to soups to breakfast bowls, and they also have plant-based sundaes. And all of these delicious cups stay fresh in the freezer until you're ready to eat them. And my favorite part? No time-consuming meal prep necessary or chopping. I'm terrible with knives. All you do is just add water or your favorite milk or your favorite milk substitute, if you're lactose intolerant, and you blend, heat, or soak. And I'm always running out the door in the morning. And so I love that Daily Harvest has an overnight oat option. So the night before, you put milk in the cup, put it in the fridge, go to bed for at least eight hours, right, guys? Just kidding. Who knows? And the next morning, my breakfast is ready right when I wake up. Plus, it's all super delicious. They have an amazing menu. And the cinnamon protein and banana cup is my current jam. So do yourself a favor and go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code SURVIVOR to get three cups free in your first box. Free breakfast, lunch, and dinner, people. That's promo code SURVIVOR for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. That's daily-harvest.com. FedEx has been used to mail everything from urgent contracts to a -a three-and-a-half-year-old panda named Bao Bao. But when overnight shipping first came along, no one knew if customers would really pay more for the service. And for a while, they didn't. 
In fact, at one point, FedEx was in such dire straits that founder Fred Smith went to Las Vegas to gamble the company's future at the blackjack table. I'm David Brown, the host of Wondery Show Business Wars, and we go deep into some of the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. In our latest series, we unbox the shipping wars as upstart FedEx takes on the behemoth UPS. Listen to FedEx versus UPS on Business Wars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Wondery app. So when Jono was in the water, he was like slapping it to get people's attention. Do you think if the beach was more crowded, it would have worked? I do think so. I think especially if there was a lifeguard on duty and being out there that early in the morning where there aren't people, it definitely does increase your risk, right, of not being seen if you do have a problem, if you end up going in that deep. But I think he wasn't even in that deep. He like dove in and then the rip current is strong enough that, you know, no matter how far out you are, it just sucks you back and out there. It's really, really kind of scary. John and I both were neighbors in Venice. And I remember after this happened, I used to go down to the beach by myself all the time. And after this, I was like, nope. And I'll go down with one or more people. And I always swim right in front of the lifeguard stand because you just don't know. You really don't. You yeah. You have to play safe. You know, better safe than sorry, right? Like, what do you have to lose by just being cautious? Absolutely. I don't think I've ever had an experience like that where... Mother Nature v. Jenna was <laughs> the situation. Me neither. And that's like one of my biggest fears. And I don't want to deal with that just because there's something about it that adds an extra layer of terror, right? Because it's not like it's another sentient being. Exactly. It is a reminder that the Earth is very powerful and very scary. Nerve wracking. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> After hearing Jono's story, who, you know, he's a very strong swimmer and, you know, still pulled out by the rip current, we decided to invite Remy Smith to the studio to give us some tips for swimming back to shore. Captain Remy Smith has been saving lives on the beach for 29 years. He works as an ocean lifeguard for the L.A. County Fire Department in Manhattan Beach. What exactly is a rip current? Is that something that you learn about Lifeguard 101, or how, how do they kind of teach you how to Definitely. It's definitely Lifeguard 101, okay. but as you brought up, like surfers will use riptides to get out to the surf faster because that way you don't have to work as hard once you're an experienced surfer or swimmer. So once you know what it is, you use it to your advantage. So what people need to understand is, number one, when you come to the beach, you have to be calm in the ocean because the water will hold up 90% of your body weight. So as long as you stay calm and you don't panic, you're going to be okay. But what happens is people panic and they tense up and then their body becomes vertical not horizontal so when you swim you ever see an olympic swimmer they're on top of the water so if you can stay in that position you're going to be fine but what happens people get caught in riptides and they panic and then they realize they're getting farther and farther from shore and that's like 80 percent of our rescues so what happens is if you've ever been to the beach all this energy is coming in but all that energy has to dissipate somewhere as you know, the ocean floor is not flat. A rip current will find a crease, like in the ocean floor. And so all that energy is coming in, and then it goes out wherever that hole in the ocean floor is. Or if you have a jetty or a pier, they'll also form off that. There's a force there that's going to create, we call it like an eddy. It's going to create an area where it's going to be able to suck out. So if you stay calm and you're not the best swimmer, you want to, of course, wave to the lifeguard. And you always want to check in with the lifeguard when you come to the beach and ask about ocean safety and ocean conditions first. Then from there, if you're caught in the riptide, and hopefully 
I'm sure 99% of the time a lifeguard is going to see you. But if they don't, the best thing is to stay calm and you want to swim parallel to shore to get out of it. And then once you feel that you're not getting sucked out, you're parallel to shore, then you want to bring it in and you want to get in the surf in the impact zone and kind of they'll push you right back in. But the number one thing is to stay calm. If you stay calm, you're going to be fine. But if you panic, it could be a bad situation. Absolutely. And you're right. right. On every lifeguard stand, they have... Tideboard. The tideboard. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they say like, you know, high winds or, you know, the surf It gives you everything. Yeah. And it always says go out with caution. It's always a caution, but you should always check in with the lifeguard first if you're not a very experienced ocean person. Yeah. Oh, I swim directly in front of the lifeguard stand now. (laughs) I live down in Venice, just a a block from it. And I'll just be like, oh, he's there? Great. Okay. And just march straight towards shore. How do you guys rescue someone caught in a rip current? Well, the first protocol is if you're a really good lifeguard, you're kind of like a private investigator. So you're already sizing people up before they even touch the ocean. You know, what, what their body language is, what clothes they're wearing, what the conditions are. What we do first is try to prevent everything. But so then when something goes down, you're already pre-planned what's going on. But the main thing is if someone's in a big riptide and you go to rescue them, you want to be super aggressive because you need to get through the surf. And we have techniques for that. So the technique for getting through the surf is you want to run out with high knees. Then you want to do this thing we call dolphin jumping. The dolphin jump is the fastest way to jump into the water and get past a surf line. You extend your arms in front of you and dive over the incoming waves. Your hands should almost reach the ocean floor before you come out of the water again. So you kind of dolphin jump, and then when a big surge of force comes, you want to be able to dive under that surge of force, let all that energy go over you, you know, and then you can get out, and then you hand them the rescue can. And the rescue can can rescue up to five people. And that rescue can also is used to signal lifeguards. Because oh, that's the red thing, the floaty. The red can. Yeah, we oh, call it a can. can. Oh, yeah, it's okay. not a floaty. It's called it's not, a can. Okay. So if you ever go to the beach, like as lifeguards, if the lifeguard's not in a stand, the lifeguard's supposed to be waving that can because you blend in with the crowd. So we always know where backup is. So when you see the lifeguard, that the lifeguard can's not hanging on the lifeguard tower, then you start looking on the beach or you look in the water for your partner because we're constantly backing each other up. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. I've seen that around. Yeah, they're really good in Venice. Yeah. They have, like, they're, they're very, yeah, they're super on it. It's one of the busiest beaches in uh, L.A. County yeah. in the summertime. Venice and Zuma, Manhattan, they're some of our busiest beaches. And especially Venice just because, and Zuma, because of the parking access. Because they have those big parking lots, so you're going to get a lot of people there. And when the south swells come, they hit there pretty hard. What's the difference between a riptide and an undertow? The, well, there is no such thing really as a riptide. It's There's, a rip it's current. A current. Yeah. It's a rip current. And I have to say, we used to call it a riptide, so I was... That's right. we changed the terminology about 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Because a tide is based on the sun and the moon, like when you have a high tide and a low tide. And so you're able to predict those years out. And that's based on whether the moon's full or not. All those tides are predicted between sun and moon, and you can predict those way ahead of time. So that's why we stopped calling it a riptide, because it's, it's a current. And the undertow is kind of somewhat of a misnomer. Have you ever been to a beach that the waves don't break from far out? They're just breaking on the shore, and you kind of get pulled down. But as long as you stay calm, that the water's pretty shallow, and you protect your head and neck, you're going to be fine. So it kind of just sucks you down. That's kind of what that is. Mm-hmm. And for the people who might find themselves at a beach that doesn't have lifeguards, what can people look out for with the rip currents? Yeah. Like, is there any telltale yeah, signs? Of- 
because we're lucky. We have yeah. lifeguard towers every, you know. Right, right. Well, the ocean is 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 always in charge. That's one of the things I always say, and you have to respect it. So if you're at a beach and there's no lifeguard, you need to know what your skill and ability level is, and you should be very careful. You know, that's why swimming, like a lot of people look at swimming as a sport. It's not really a sport. Swimming is a life skill. If you have kids, you should make your kids learn how to swim, whether they want to or not. You don't have to be on a swim team, but you should at least have them safe in the water and make them learn how to swim. And a good way to do that is take them to a pool that's warm, and they're going to really learn how to swim and have a great time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is a life-saving tactic. My young nephews, two of them, and they started it right away almost, I think, after they're born. There's those yeah. newborn swim classes, and you just kind of drag your baby around. Right, right, right. But then yeah. they learn how they're not afraid of it. They're not right. afraid of water, and they know how to move in it. Exactly, and yeah. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm pretty old school. Like, back in my day, I grew up in L.A., and they used to make us learn how to swim in school. Like, and they've taken that away. You know, that was, like, part of P.E. Like, you had a block of swimming, like, for a month, where you actually, even if you didn't have a pool on your school, you would get bused to a pool, and they'll teach you how to swim, and they don't really do that. So it's hard for a lot of people that don't have the money. It's it's kind of like a big void where we should be teaching more people, especially these kids, how to swim and enjoy the ocean. Or even just a pool. And even learning how to tread water. I'm sure that's a huge skill, too. Yeah. You know, if you don't feel like you're jacked enough to start blasting through the waves with your arms, but treading could be a yeah. good thing just to keep your head above water. Yeah, that's pretty easy to do. Yeah. You know, to stay calm. And there's two different styles. You can kind of do a breaststroke kick, but then once you get good, we call it egg beater. And if you ever watch the Olympics, that's what the water polo players do. They'll use an egg beater kick. Mm-hmm. So then you could be in the water even with your hands out of the water and your legs can do all the work. Kind of and swiveling you could be around. Out, yeah, you could be out there forever doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I'm learning so much. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I know. One last question for you. Is it true that some rip currents are visible to the naked eye? Some of them are invisible, but most of them are not. There'll be a slight discoloration of the water because the sand's going to be pulling out. So it's going to be a little darker in color. You know, and if you have on polarized glasses, it's more defined where you can see the rip currents. It's something that's like instilled in us, like in rookie school. But as you keep working, especially I'm a surfer too, you just really start to understand where the holes are, where the rip currents are. You can use that to your advantage, a rip current or even a hole. And also like with the whole ocean community, once you, I would say, mastered the skill, even though you never really mastered it, you're always learning, it's always different, but you can have so much fun body surfing, boogie boarding, like being a surfer, because you're out in the elements, you know, and you're outside of the concrete jungle, and you can get that here in LA, you know, and it takes a while to really learn how to be a good surfer or body surfer, but it can be done if you're motivated. Are you, yeah. Have you surfed well that way? No, I haven't, but it is on my bucket list. Yeah, you gotta I, go for it. Yeah. yeah, I just moved it up a few notches just from this alone. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to straight to life, go tower. Um, I've done it. I can get up. I can't do mm. tricks or curve around. Right, right. Or control it, but I can stand. Right. Which is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. it takes really a long jealous. time. You have to do like the pop-ups, you know, right, you practice right, right. and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's so fun. Uh, and yeah. there's an etiquette out there, and, and there's a there's a, like a little a different body language, language, and you got to be able to feel that out and, and work around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you think bringing adult water wings back would be a good idea, safety-wise? Like, I have a pair of water wings at my house, yeah. and I, I've never worn them, obviously, to the ocean. 
Yeah, right? we don't we don't allow anything inflatable in the ocean in oh, LA County. Okay, good Nothing to know. Nothing inflatable. You only we only allow surfboards and uh, boogie boards because what happens if you're on your water rings <gasps> and they deflate? Then you're a rescue because you're so used to that security. Yeah. So we want people on a, the next level before you go in the ocean, that confident level. We don't even li- allow life jackets because it's a false sense of security. That makes sense, though, because could you imagine having those inflatable swans just shooting out <laughs> to sea? <laughs> One just yeah, lands we, in Catalina. That's when we run down and yeah. be like, no, no, no. Because yeah. people, yeah. do people try to do that? They're oh, like, all the time. I got this thing. Yeah. No. And you kind of ruin their day, too, because they're, especially with the life vests, because they're so, uh, this is, my kid's safe. But really, you know, it's not. So it's sometimes we have arguments with people over that. Because you're right. That would make sense if they're just kind of bobbing along, especially like a small child. They could get taken out very quickly. And then if it falls off, they're They're immediately going down. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good policy. Yeah. I'm on board. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no worries. It was awesome. Yeah, Remy, this is so fun having you in here. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that everyone learned something. And also... Talk to lifeguards when you go to the beach. That's a huge takeaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk Check to us. The, Check in with the lifeguard. Yeah. You know, ask for ocean conditions. Another really good thing, too, is especially if you have little kids, we get a lot of lost kids, especially on these super hot days. When you come to the beach, let everyone know, hey, we're at Tower 1550. So if you get lost, talk to a lifeguard to say you're at Tower 1550 and then you can reunite. So kids should always know what tower they're close to. So when they get lost, we can get them back safely. I think instilling a healthy dose of caution when we're going to the beach and swimming in the ocean is really important, right? Like, you don't have to scare the kids, but make them aware that nature isn't anything you should take lightly. And to stay calm. And then that works in most natural disasters, in fact. And Captain Remy said that the water will support 90% of your body weight, but you have to stay calm. And don't forget to check the tide board. Yes, every time. (laughs) I learned a lot from talking to Captain Remy. I had no idea the thing about the floaties and about how they case people. Last week I went out on the beach (laughs) and I was like, they're doing it. You know, because he had binoculars out and was like checking out people. Then a family walked up with a bunch of kids and a bunch of floaties. And I saw the lifeguard jog over and he's like, nope, Nope. not happening. You know, (laughs) shattered their dreams, but it would have been worse if the toddler ends up in Catalina. Right. A kid out the sea definitely shatters dreams as well. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Oh, yeah. They're like basically profiling people. Yeah. But that makes sense. You want to keep your eye on people they think might be at risk. Absolutely. And see, like, okay, who's who's near where the rip currents are? Because there are such patterns that they see. You know, who is someone drunk? Are they not a good swimmer? Are that where are all the kids at? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's amazing to see, yeah, how much goes into it before it gets to that moment of having to save someone. They're doing so much work ahead of that. Yeah, exactly. Thanks again to both of our guests, Jono Wilson and Captain Remy Smith. We have a lot of information about our guests and sponsors in the show notes. You'll also find our email address, isurvivor at wondery.com, and links to our social media profiles. You can follow me on Instagram at jenna.brister, that's J-E-N-N-A dot B-R-I-S-T-E-R, and Wagatwe at W-A-G-A-T-W-E. If you want more iSurvivor content, interviews that didn't make the show, unedited content, more of us talking, go to wondery.com slash P-L-U-S. I Survivor is hosted by me, Jenna Brister, and Magatwe Wenjuki. Audio engineering by Sergio Enriquez. Sound design by Bay Area Sound. I Survivor is produced by Leah Sutherland. Executive produced by Abby Ventress Swanson. Executive produced by Marshall Louie and Hernan Lopez for Wondering.
Hey, I'm Brooke. And I'm Marisha. And we're the hosts of Even the Rich, a show about the occasionally outrageous behavior of people who have a lot of money and a lot of feelings. On our next season, we bring you a story that combines sibling rivalry, high fashion, and murder. Gianni and Donatella Versace built one of the most iconic fashion labels in the world. But when Gianni gets shot, it's up to Donatella to step out from behind her brother's shadow and try to save the brand they built from ruin. Subscribe to Even the Rich, The House of Versace, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free.